everyone. You're listening to Bushwick Junction on Radio Free Brooklyn. This is a show about life's inflection points hosted by me, Asha Saluja. It's about the crossroads in our lives, which paths we choose when we reach them, and where those choices lead us or don't. We'll talk about the decisions we agonized over and the decisions we didn't even realize we were making until years after we made them. We'll talk about how we decide things, how we weigh our options, or how we tap into our intuitions. We'll talk about the degree to which our choices matter. Do we have any control over the things that alter our fate, or do we end up in the same place no matter which roads we take? On each show, I have a guest tell me all the big decisions they've ever made in order. We start with birth, we fast forward to their first big decision, we map out the road their lives have taken as a series of these inflection points or junctions. With that, I will introduce today's guest. Sam Siri is a New York-based actor and musician, lead singer of the Nicotine Dolls. Hey, Sam. Hi, what's going on? Not much. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. We're sitting here in Bushwick. It's kind of kind of gloomy outside. It's like a little rainy, but that's okay. Yeah, it's like a good laundry day. You're, you're doing laundry today. Mm-hmm. Pro pro insider tip from you know before the before the mics went up. Mm-hmm. Sam had some laundry today. Uh, so the first question on the show is: Tell me about the circumstances into which you were born. Okay. Um, so, like, what hospital? I mean, that's totally not where most people go. Fascinating. Was um, it an interesting hospital? No, no. So I, um, I have a older sister. Uh-huh. So um, my mom was not married or in a relationship or anything. She, um, she's like a super independent person. So she, I think she like dated my sister's dad for a little bit, and then he he's like a really nice Georgia. Georgia boy like he <laughs> she had her and he's like marry me because that's what we're supposed to do mm. and she was like no <laughs> you don't want to marry me and which is super dope um so then I came along from uh this person she dated Dean who's this English guy um and they were kind of friends and then I just kind of popped out which is hilarious because my mom growing up like she was told she could never have kids well and then it was just like my sister then me and then um so what yeah stage of life is she in when she's having all these kids she, young she woman is 30 i think she's 31 when she has me man i love that they really scare you with fertility and you can't yeah. have children and you're too old blah 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 your mom's like hey no. i'm 31 gonna pop some out just like yeah after doctors are like you can't do that right See how much more interesting that was than what hospital you were born it's at? Way, it's do much you, more interesting. Do you want to shout out the hospital? I mean, just the fact that your brain went there. Um, hospital in Boca. Good job, guys. Yeah, Boca, <laughs> Boca Raton, Florida. We're both South Florida people, yes, as we discovered yes, we before are. the show. Uh, well, that's a fascinating circumstance to be born into. And you have yeah. one one more sibling? Yeah, so I have um, my older brother was adopted. So mm-hmm. my older brother was adopted when we were... Um, we were teenagers, so we met in uh, high school. He was friends with my sister, and then he became friends with me. And then he kind of just, like, his relationship at home wasn't great, and my mom just brought him into the house, and then he just became my older brother. Fascinating. Yeah. Wow. And, like, he is my older brother, and 
So it's it's great. We have a big old family. Yeah. Life. Having three siblings. Now my, my sister has a has a daughter. So I'm an uncle now. That's crazy. Dang. Yeah. Well, it's big old family cobbled together by non-traditional exactly. circumstances. Love yeah. it. Um, okay. So the second question on the show is tell me the first big decision you ever made. And I'm just already going to lay down a theme here. Like your, your story, your origin story is it. Yeah. Like I said, non-traditional, you definitely were born into a household where we weren't going to just do something cause it was what we were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So what I know to be your first big decision surprises me a little less now, <laughs> uh, but let's talk about it. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I decided to leave high school towards the end of my junior year. So I didn't exactly finish my junior year. Um, I never, I never did well in school. I never okay. did well in school. Um, elementary school was kind of my peak. Got it. I peaked in, in elementary school. Um, and then I have a, uh, so I was in and out of, my entire life I've been in and out of hospitals because I have a bleeding disorder called uh, von Willebrand's. Basically, it's like hemophilia. Okay. So growing up with that, I had it really bad. Um, so in and out of hospitals and in and out of wheelchairs because I had a lot of leg problems. Um, oh, that sounds so hard. It, you know what it was, but it also wasn't like I g- growing up in that kind of circumstance. You you meet some incredible people like we used to go to summer camps that were built for they were kind of like medical summer camps. Mm um and my mom made sure that we would go to like mix week so it was like you were bunking with kids with cerebral palsy and like advanced cancer and things like that so you're you your your mind kind of says like oh well it's not that bad yeah you're you know? meeting up with a lot of resilience yeah yeah cool. and just like these kids that are just so awesome and they were great friends to have but right so middle school, I because I was in and out of a wheelchair, um, I uh, I got like the I got beat up like all the time. It What's was that? kids are awful. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, they didn't God. get it. They didn't understand like like this kid. One also, I rocked some Velcro Skechers and shorts that were above my knee and a shirt. I always had like shirts with like everyone else was really cool in middle school, and I had like Disney shirts on and stuff. <laughs> And I used to wear this one shirt that when you pushed, I was like, this is the coolest shirt. I'm going to have so many friends. You pushed the chest of it and it was the sound of a helicopter. Ooh. And I thought that was so dope. Uh-huh. And no one else did. Well, okay. it was bad. So like I did three years of that and it was brutal. Um, just like some kid hit me and my, my eardrum, like the skin on my eardrum was ripped off. So my hearing is like super wonky. Wow. Um, I've been like pushed down the stairs in wheelchairs, like chased after school. Oh my God. Awful. So when I got to high school, um, one, I started playing music, started playing music and learning guitar because I was like, there's this one kid, Mitchell Hauser. He used to sit on the stairs. He's a great guitar player. He'd sit on the stairs and like just surrounded by girls. I'm like, I need to ask a girl (laughs) out because one of the one of the issues that happened in middle school too was that I developed somewhat of a social stutter. Um, so when my anxiety would get really uh-huh. intense, I would stutter. So the first time I asked a girl out, her name was Kristen Taylor, and I we were in the carpool, 
And I walked up to her, and I think it took a solid two and a half minutes for me to say, would you, you like, it would not come out. I went, Uh and she said no. Um, But I was like, if I learned how to play music, I'll totally get a date. Yeah. Um, Turns out you have to learn more than just, um, I would just play Sweet Home Alabama, just like really bad Sweet Home Alabama. Mm. Um, Not not all of the ladies' favorite. No, no. no. So then I learned some Lifehouse, and that seemed to make it easier. Okay, so... You're learning some music to mm-hmm. get the girls on your side. Was that was the guitar? Uh, anyone? <laughs> really, just anyone. Got just, it. If anyone wanted to hang out with me, that would have been really cool. <laughs> I had oh, I had another um, another musician on my show recently. My friend Nick, a drummer, mm-hmm. who said the same thing. Actually, super similar story, right? He like had uh, sort of um, something that impaired his ability to socialize normally and. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of felt beat up relentlessly and was like, oh, so I learned to play drums. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like that's not the most obvious way to get people to like you. Like, no, it's not. But like it's, definitely getting really good at basketball or like getting, you know, well, usually the, the people that team. the people that like one in my in my town, the town that I lived in celebration, it was this Disney town. Um, but the the jocks were not popular like Hmm. they weren't the popular ones it was the skater kids those were the cool kids yeah so i tried to be a skater kid and then i kept falling so i was like i shouldn't do this um right because of the whole blood because blood disorder so i had to wear like shin pads and elbow it was really bad not super um but yeah and guitar always like sports weren't a thing i couldn't do it um but guitar seemed like the the way to go about it um and then I, I got into high school and kind of like changed everything about myself. And I was like, I'm going to learn how to be like funny. And I got over my speech impediment by I would memorize Robin Williams stand up. He was like my hero in Aww. middle school. Like I used to watch his movies and stand up all the time. Um, but I memorized his stand up and he talked so fast that it really helped me be able to control my mouth. Fascinating. Um, and then I started doing theater. Um, which was not something in high school. In high school, I started doing it, uh, just because it was the one group of people. I was like, "Y'all are weird." <laughs> I think I think I'm gonna think hang I out with, with you. Yeah, I hang out with you guys because like I wasn't cool enough to fit in with like the band guys. Yeah, because they were really cool. Right. You know, I di- I played guitar, but they like played guitar, and they were also like their families were super rich, so they had studios like inside their houses. And oh, Central Florida. So annoying. <laughs> um. Okay, this seems like a good place to pause. I want to play one of your songs, uh, one of the Nicotine Dolls songs, Take a Bite. I'm going to take a quick break, and y'all enjoy this tune. I'm a loser, quick to forget, and a bruiser for your abuse. Moving your 
Hi, we're back. That was Take a Bite by the Nicotine Dolls. I thought it was great. Uh, okay, so you you were a you were a, an artsy kid who has who had turned to making music and doing theater to sort of cope with the the harsh realities <laughs> of being in middle school. Yeah, and you were getting pretty good at those things. Yeah, yeah, I. I was starting to get known as the kid that played guitar at lunch and everyone would come listen to me. You replaced, uh, what's his name on the steps? Yeah. Well, no, Mitchell Hauser was like still music, music God. Um, but I was just like the weird kid that played guitar and I learned enough like John Mayer and Maroon 5 where hopefully I was like, every once in a while a girl would walk by and be like, you're okay. (laughs) Yes. It's amazing. Um, and then, and then something happened in high school that was pretty great. And I started to get friends and I started going out to parties and I kind of fig- started figuring out socially how to talk to people and how to like respond to social situations. And then I saw way too many James Dean things and like started, I found out that smoking is something that my, I, I started smoking because my brother straight up was like, you would look cool if you smoked. And oh, I was no. Like, I Does was like, he regret nah. that to this day? No, no. <laughs> He's fine. He's been able to quit. Wow. So and I've, I've, I haven't spoke for a while. Yeah. Um, but that that saying, like, I, I started looking at life differently when I would go out. I'd be like, man, I love everything around school in terms of, like, I love going out. I love, like doing things and messing with things and like making decisions outside of the realm of school. And then I started realizing that school, you know, that thing where they're like, it's going on your permanent record. Hmm. The second you realize that there is no permanent record. Wow. I don't think I've had that moment. yet. (laughs) I really don't. I think like they've successfully brainwashed me, but they're so scary about it. Like, yeah, when you're in high Who school, even is they though? It's just like the world. I think just, we just the world. Invent it. Yeah. yeah, they're like this is. I mean, it's a little mini, um, thing like fortress they create. And yeah. I mean, if you have you ever looked at like the shape of a desk, it's like <laughs> a prison. It's like this little <laughs> prison that you're as a kid. Like, yeah. so I started hanging out with um some kids that were. I actually started hanging out with the skater kids. Okay, because. I made friends with one of them that wasn't there in middle school. And it turns out he's like the ringleader of all of them. His name was Justin. And he made all those kids that used to beat me up apologize to me. Wow. Yeah. That a, is an ally. Yeah, he's right a really there. cool dude. Um, And then he just like, he was the first person that was like, hey, you don't have to go to that class. <laughs> I was like, what? He goes, no, don't go to that class. We're going to, we're going to, on our way to PE, we used to start walking to PE and then we'd turn and then, like, just like smoke uh-huh. in a tree. Uh huh. By the and like, <laughs> we would just sit during gym, and like, I'd play guitar, and he'd rap, and it was this weird, weird thing. And then I just started. I'd wake up in the morning and go like, today, I'm not emotionally prepared or mentally prepared to go to school. So today, I'm gonna call. I would call school and pretend to be my mom and say that I had a doctor's appointment because I had spent so many years dealing with this like medical stuff. Right. I started using it to my advantage, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to get what I need out of life from school. So I started just not caring about it. Um, 
and I would do theater stuff. I used to like the theater was kind of my home and my, my teacher there really liked me and I showed like promise and I, we did competitions and I got awards for, for acting and singing and stuff, mm-hmm. but I didn't take that cause I was like, that requires more school. I don't want to do that. Huh. But I used to just like sneak up to the theater and like sleep during classes um, in like the lofted area. Um, but I would skip school and go to Disney Whoa. for the day and just like by yourself by myself. Yeah. I would just go to Disney and hang out all day. Um, and then, uh, what did you like ride rides? Yeah. Yeah. I had a blast. I would just like go by myself or if someone wanted to skip with me. Uh huh. Um, you were like, I know a place. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> let's like dip out and just go to Epcot for the day. What? Um, That's so crazy. And it was, it was so much fun. And so I started just thinking about my life and like that I didn't enjoy the trappings of like what everyone else was doing. And I was really nervous that everyone's like getting ready to go to college and I'm like that's four more years of not living right of that's like preparing to live yeah I'm just getting I need to pause and like comment on this real quick but like you talk about James Dean right and you're like sort of painting this picture of someone who you know didn't give a fuck about school you know who was like really rejecting the system but Mm -hmm. You're also describing this like extremely wholehearted person. Like di- Epcot is the most wholesome place on planet oh, Earth. Oh yeah. And like loving theater. You know, theater kids are full of enthusiasm for like life. And, and you're also like I'm also talking as somebody that if you had gone into my room at this time, mm-hmm. it wasn't like rock posters and stuff. I had Star Wars posters everywhere. And I actually was like, I, I used to hang the ships from my ceiling and like set up the figurines and little I was such a nerd, like there's n- there was nothing super controversial about me, right? But I just didn't buy into what everyone else like. I wasn't drinking the Kool Aid of like, put your head down, get good grades. Like, yeah. and my sister, my sister graduated a year early. It's like so opposite of me. She flew through school, never mm-hmm. got anything less than a B. You know, me, I would, I would show up to tests and like whether or not the teacher was nice to me would be how much effort I would put the into that test. Wow. Like if I felt like they were trying to be kind of like dictatory, I was like, no, nah, I'm out. I'm, I'm only going to draw smiley faces on right. this paper. You, you weren't, you, once you realized it wouldn't go on your permanent record, it yeah. was really kind of just hurting their feelings. Exactly. Once you realize like this is just, and also I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, I wanted to make music. That was the goal. Well, the, I mean, it sounds super mature, but I wanted to be a rock star. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go off. I'm going to be a rock star. I'm going to make millions of dollars. And I'm going to come back and I'm going to throw it in their face. Love I it. <laughs> and haven't done that yet. You're haven't on the done, way. Still though. working on it. You're on the um, way. So I, I want to zoom into two moments. So we eventually yeah. the moment where you quit high school, but also. And that, well, that day in particular was, um, was just really funny because i i didn't plan on it and i it was one day and it was uh so i still had a couple more months left of school mm-hmm. and i'm in algebra class it was the first class of the day and at this so point this is senior year this is junior year junior year okay i'm like you know I'm, I'm not really caring i used to sleep in algebra i used to just like lay back with sunglasses on like a complete douche and just sleep and my, so my algebra teacher But a douche come, who loved Epcot. I don't know. Who loved Epcot. I'm just not like, buying it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I just didn't love that. Yeah. So my algebra teacher came up and he's like, Mr. Siri, do you have your homework? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, hold on one sec. 
and I pull out this crumpled piece of paper and I smooth it out and I give it to him and he mm-hmm. goes, I remember this like whole fucking day. Um, but I give him the piece of paper and he goes, he's like, this is not complete. I'd only written my name on it. And I grabbed it back from him. I was like, oh, that's my fault. If you had asked for my completed homework, I wouldn't have given you anything. And so he then turns to the class and starts saying, like pointing at me and saying like, this is why he is going to have to stay in school longer than the rest of it. Like saying that I'm a failure, right? Wow. And I just started laughing. And so I put my book bag on and I started walking out of class. He goes, where do you think you're going? Go, I'm leaving. And I remember he goes, you need a pass to leave the class. And I go, no, 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 no. I'm leaving school. And that was the last thing I said. And I walked out of the class, like walked straight out of the front office. They were like, Mr. Siri, Mr. Siri, just kept walking. I'm like, oh, wait, no one can stop you. No one can stop you if you just decide to walk out. Like you think that you're that there's like an electric fence or something or yeah. no. Like my mom knew we had already talked about this as a possibility. I was like, mom, I'll get my GED. Mm-hmm. And I did. I got my GED like right after I left school. Hmm. Um. So you you'd sort of already flagged your mom like this life might not be for me. Yeah, and my mom's always been super supportive about like yeah do she's she has no she's never been someone that's like do what you have to do, um to get ahead. She was always do what you have to do to be happy. That's always like my mom's thing. Right. Um. But yeah, and I just like got in my car and drove away from school and never went back. So elegant, gorgeous. I love it. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So the the decision was like semi premeditated. It was like you yeah. felt like this was coming. Uh were there any were there any like you had the support from your mom, but were mm-hmm. there any voices in your head or in your life that were like All my Don't friends. do this? Yeah. All my friends. My grandma said, um when I did it, my grandma said this is she said, You're an embarrassment to the family. My whole family, like the rest of my family, was real mad at me. Gotcha. Really, really mad at me. Um, And all my friends, all my teachers, like I would get emails from my theater teacher. She's like, what are you doing? Throwing your life away. And like Mm -hmm. all my friends would be like, this is ridiculous. What is like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to be a rock star. And then I lived in a motel on a highway. Whoa, let's go there. So Why? So my mom, my mom left because uh, when I dropped out, mm-hmm. my sister decided to move to Germany to be a babysitter. She had just finished. She had just high finished school. high school, okay, and she did a little bit of college. But she was like, "I need to." She's always been a European person. Like she, she. So my sister's a genius. She learned Russian in like a month. Like Dang. she was already pretty much fluent in German. Mm-hmm. Um, so she moves to Germany. My mom moves to New York because she lived here in the eighties and loved it. So she takes my little brother, and moves to New York. My older brother is still in Florida, but he's going to college. Um, and then I, I'm like, you know what? All right, I'm gonna move in. My my friend Brandon, who was like this 25 year old dude that I used to hang out with and smoke with, and he was like, hey, my roommate um, just got arrested. Do you want to take his bed? And by like moving in together, I mean it was a super eight motel, and there were just two beds in the room, and he had like it was me, Brandon, and his white rabbit. Uh, Mr. Bojangles. His white rabbit. Why didn't you go to New York with your mom? I didn't. I I didn't want to go to New York. I never. I never had the urge to like move to New York until I moved to New York. Got um, it. Okay, makes sense. And also, I had this. I was involved in this thing in Orlando. It was like the guys from Cool and the Gang started this website 
Whoa, um, whoa, whoa. All right. So when I was like, <laughs> why didn't you move to New York with your mom? You were like, I didn't have the urge to, but actually it was because of Cool and the But gang. also Cool and the Gang. Okay. Um, they had this website and this idea uh-huh. that they were going to, it was going to be this whole big thing. Were you personally acquainted with Mr. I met Cool? cool. I met okay. Cool. Um, but his brother, who was in, who was in the gang, uh-huh. um, he kind of uh, ran everything. Amir. All right. Um, These brown he, like, folks, Cool in the gang? What? Who, who, what are their, fo- never mind. Uh, that was a strange question. I mean, they're, but they're like, they're like a family. I think two of them are brothers. All right. Two of them are brothers. So, um, Amir Cool. Well, the the dude's name, Cool is just like, that's his name. His name is Cool. Got it. And he has like a cane. Okay. And he's really cool. Okay. <laughs> um, but they had this thing called phone greetings. And it was going to be this website where you would go on, you'd type in like your, someone's name and then a message. And then you'd have like, so we would record thousands and thousands of different responses. So you could get... The pitch was, if you like Lady Gaga, you can get her to send a voicemail to oh, your mom. that kind of exists, right? That still exists? Does it? I feel like I've heard of that before. Well, it was it was weird, and it didn't work out. Like, they okay. put all this money into it. They had this, like, whole office, and I used to go in and record stuff. I wrote them all these songs. So you, like, acted, and you, created, I, you they, were, like, a creator for them. Well, they sold me as, like, this new up-and-coming pop singer songwriter so i would write them little jingly like pop songs and stuff um and it was really weird how did you get connected with them my the girl i was dating at the time her friend's mom saw me play at an open mic and was like she's like i want to manage you and we're gonna turn you into a star and i was like obviously (laughs) i'll sign everything yeah and i did (laughs) like i was an idiot i signed all this stuff every everything i wrote for them Uh uh-huh i don't i never owned um which is really good because all those songs are pretty yeah, bad. Yeah, sounds like it's not something I'm not going to really say you need. could go that the site is still up and you could still listen to it, but it's super still up. And like, it's... I'm, I'm lunging toward my laptop right now. I, d- I don't think this is the best use of our remaining half hour. No, no, no. I'll skim Pat, but that's what I was Wait, involved can in. Wait, we, can we tell our listeners what the site is in case it's they It's phonegreetings.com. If you want to look at me, at the time I was living in a motel, I also had recently discovered... I look so tired in those and all the stuff related to that site. I, cause I had recently discovered like cocaine. Oh no. I was, cause I was a teenager. My roommate did cocaine. I did cocaine. Uh, we drank all the time. We went to like karaoke bars to get money. That's how I earned money is I would, we were like the hotshot karaoke people. Who pays people for karaoke? How do they have competitions? So all over Orlando, we would be like, Oh, Applebee's is having like a $200 (laughs) gift card karaoke thing let's go crush it this is the most orlando story yeah. ever like i've never heard anything more orlando than what do you what you're oh my god me. yeah just karaoke and mr bojangles the white rabbit the white you, rabbit. your roommate lots of drugs and and then he got arrested singing for money oh he got my roommate got arrested um for like some previous stuff and then i moved back down to south florida and got five jobs because my gra- my moved to, my grandma lived down there, so I moved. So to my by grandma's. this time you're like 18, 17? 18. Okay, yeah. cool. So eighteen, living with grandma. I'd wake up in the morning at like five or six. Mm-hmm. We'd go clean houses. I'd finish cleaning houses with her, and then I'd meet up with my uncle, and we would do construction all day, or we would go fix cars all day, and then right after that we'd go home, shower, go to um, the Hard Rock Casino, 
and I, me and my uncle worked the door at the hard at one at a wow. piano bar. So I worked the door to piano bar, and then I got to know the piano players uh-huh. and started um, singing with them because I didn't know how to play piano. Um, and then after that, the my uncle and my sister's dad, who um, was really into dueling pianos, they're like, "We're going to open up our own nightclub." And uh-huh. we want you to be like, it's going to be a family thing and you're going to be involved. So wait, the dueling pianos and like, where is it? So this is right now we're in South Florida and then we, they opened up the nightclub on in Delray Beach. Okay. Um, off Atlantic Avenue. It failed. It's like gotcha. super failed. It failed because, and I'm not going to throw my, um, I'm not going to throw dad or uncle Bobby under the bus here, but I am because they both got into this business and then they got they used to get into these fights and they would both leave the club and i was left in charge of like running the floor yeah the soundboard like everything and you were like 18 i was 18 pretty I had, into drugs yeah i had no idea well at this point i was doing pretty good i was okay. not doing anything <laughs> but i also, was <laughs> i love the imagery of two the two men who open a dueling piano bar like right? <laughs> just do, like i'm picturing them like storming out of the bar in song <laughs> where's the believe. money yeah <laughs> and then like each of the pianos is like angrily <laughs> playing <laughs> in the background well i so i started noticing that we were paying these piano players so much money so i was like i should just learn piano and do my own piano show and that way i get paid because i was never i was not making any money doing this so i was like so i, I would stay we would close i'd stay from two o'clock in the morning to like six o'clock in the morning and um learn piano Wow. And I did my own piano show there. And then the abridged version How is like... How did you teach yourself? I just would play songs. I would learn like... Because I knew chords from guitar. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I knew how the music worked. Yeah. And it was just about learning new muscle memory. So just like transferring the knowledge to the piano was actually pretty easy. Gotcha. Um, and I didn't become like virtuosic or anything, but I could I could play through. So like I could play Time to Dancer. You know, mm-hmm. I could play all the big songs because most pop songs are super easy. Yeah. Um. So this guy from BB Kings sees my show and he's like, hey, do you want to be a dueling piano player at BB Kings up the, up the road? And I was like, yeah, sure. So the nightclub, my my dad and my uncle's nightclub closes. Um, so I just start becoming a dueling piano player um, while still doing like cleaning houses and doing all that kind of stuff. Now my nights are playing dueling pianos. Wow. And then BB Kings is like, yo, we're opening up a piano bar at the BB Kings in Las Vegas. Do you want to open the show out there just for the weekend? Uh-huh. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course I do because I'm about to turn 19 uh-huh. and I'm, I want to go to Las Vegas. That is so much life before 19. Jim. Oh yeah. That's like a big year. That was a, 18 was a super big year. Um, and then they flew me out there. We did the show over the weekend and they were like, Hey, you're super fun. Live here. And I had an apartment in Florida and I called my land. This all happened in one day. They they offered me the full time gig. I called my landlord. My best friend came out to Vegas too to see me like do the show. But I called my landlord. I was like, "Hey, my apartment has one box of stuff that I that's mine, and then the rest of it I don't really care about." So I'm gonna send my grandma went over like grabbed my pictures and like literally I lived out of one little box. So she just had one box. I'm like, "Yo, you keep everything else. I'll send you the final rent. I don't live there anymore." Wow. So called my landlord, said I don't live there anymore. I now, then we move all my stuff, my suitcase that day. I was like, because they kicked me out of the hotel that they were letting me stay in. 
now that I like full time work there, they're like, you have to find a place to live in a day. And I moved into the Holiday Royale, which was a week to week um, place. It was like a motel, another motel, but it in, was in Vegas, in Vegas, right across the street from the uh, Hard Rock. Okay. Um, and I lived there and I lived there for six, six, seven months and did that. Were you by yourself? I was by myself. Yeah. yeah. And just like lived in Las Vegas for six and like we did six hour piano shows. Jeez. So I really like crafted. That's where I started to really like understand how audience works, how you read an energy of a room. How do you keep endurance up? Mm -hmm. Um, Also like how you shouldn't work and um, in Las Vegas uh, because (laughs) you shouldn't do what I shouldn't do what I did. You shouldn't be a 19 year old working in Las Vegas. I'm just fascinated by the fact that you like picked up the skill that bought your next year of livelihood in like a year. Yeah. Like between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m. on your like off days. I mean, but those other piano players hated me. Right. They hated me. They were like, you don't know how to play the songs right. Oh. And my my thing was always like, yeah, but everyone's having a great time. You don't need right. to play it right. Right. right and that was right. again, there's so I, I got in trouble with them a lot because there was a format to the show and I didn't do that. Um so that I wish I could say I'm surprised. Yeah, I didn't like the format. It was awful. I hate I hate when people have like those rules that are mo- that are like if you break them, yeah, it'll all come crashing Feels down. Like you have some beef with formats in general. I do. Yeah. I don't like them. Um, okay, so I'm curious. Uh, like the other players hate it. Like, was this a lonely time for you? If my yeah. coworkers sort of yeah yeah it was. Um, also like th- from 16 to 20. Uh, all through that, I was dating this one person. This is the first person I ever fell in love with. Um, so, did they come with you to Vegas? No, no. We were broken up at this point. We would break up and get together, and break yeah, up and get, yeah. get together. Um, and it was like a pretty poisonous thing. So Vegas came at a really good time because she had just moved to South Florida, and I was like, I can't be there. Gotcha. Um, were you still having health problems this whole time? Yeah, I mean it's. If if I if anything bad happened physically, I, I always had to take medicine for it. Gotcha. Um, you had it manageable. Yeah, I could I could definitely take care of myself. Um, so the it was it was pretty lonely. Yeah. Um, but then you you kind of learn how to. I was I'm always I'm a pretty self sufficient person. I enjoy my own company. I enjoy quiet. I love quiet. I. I am better at being alone than I am with kind of spending time. Whenever I'm around people, I always feel the need to like do stuff and like Mm. be active, whether that be like vocally active or just like physically doing things all the time. And I I wear myself out. So when I'm alone, it's like the one time my body's like, okay, dude, sit. Yeah. And I need that, you know, otherwise. Do you call that what you just described extroversion? It's kind of classic extroversion. I think so. All your energy goes out. Maybe it it's does, yeah. Everyone takes her energy from you. I think it's it's um maybe I hate those words. I like the like. Let's move away from it. Then. Yeah, I mean personalities aren't a binary. Throwing it's throwing um it's throwing like flares up. You know, it's that thing where it's like you know in action movies when the plane's getting away and they're like being chased by someone and they let loose all these flares and like the missiles hit the flares and don't hit the plane. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of like what it is. 
And sometimes I just run out of flares. Yeah. And I'd rather not be surrounded by missiles when that happened, you know? Um, Complex metaphor. I got it. I got it in my head. So how does Vegas end? So Vegas ends because the nightclub closes. Oh. Because doing pianos is a very hard business. And it did not last. And BB King's just uh, as a business kind of started going under. Mm. So they started closing a lot of their places. So they closed... I had enough for a plane ticket because I, I spent all my money in that when I lived there. Just like I would make a good amount of money and then just burn it all because it was Vegas and I knew door guys when I was, was a teenager. What was your advice of choice? Were you gambling? Were you par- dancing? Mm, partying. partying. It was just like a lot of partying. Got it. A lot, a lot of partying. Um, just nights that I don't like. I've woken up in the top like sweet and Caesars in a tuxedo surrounded by like 50 people that I've never met. Like the, it, I've woken up at the end of the hangover <laughs> and, and it was great and it was yeah. amazing. I never want to do that stuff again, but it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, and I was a teenager, so it was awesome, but I just spent all my money. So I had enough for a plane ticket to come to New York and I came to New York. I, why New York? My mom was here. And then I also realized I was like, you know what? I need to start taking music seriously. Okay, I just want to like dissolve for a second. So yeah. before your mom was here and you didn't want to come, mm-hmm. was it cool in the gang or what? Like what? Why New York the, at that moment instead of before or not at all? I think I think I just California was too close to Vegas. I needed to get out of there. Um, and the goal was, I mean, actually the goal. Now that I think about it, this is. We're going to rewrite my mental history because now that I think about it, um, my plan, I had a lawsuit with um, some kid that beat the shit, beat me up in high school. You're allowed or, to curse on the podcast. Yeah. Some kid beat the shit out of me in <laughs> middle school and I got a lawsuit from him. So oh my God. I totally forgot about it. Wow. But at the, I totally forgot about this. So at the, at the end of Vegas, I got money. I remember that because I was like, I had enough for a plane ticket and I was like, I'm going to go just like stay with family and then i was like wait i got money i have this lawsuit thing my mom reminded me of that she goes you could do this so i packed my bags and i was going to go to new york and then go to europe Hmm. and find so my dad my my biological father is english and he ran he like exited my life when i was nine and i I had not seen him for like since i was nine so I was like, I'm going to go to Europe. I'll find my dad and like see Europe and that'll be great. And when I got to New York to hang out with my mom before I left, my one of my best friends um, had just gotten out of rehab and he's a musician. And so I was like, okay, dude, you and me are going to get an apartment. We're going to get an apartment together. Fuck my plans. We're going to get an apartment together. So I used all the stuff I had to get this apartment. We got an apartment together um, and it was the first time I ever started writing songs that I thought weren't terrible. Hmm. I mean, they're terrible now, but at the time I was like, so I would just sit in this apartment and then for money, I was I, because I had spent everything for the apartment for money, I would go busk um, and play in the subways and play guitar in the subways. And I did that for three years and it was awful. It's great for the first year. For the first year, you know, I'm 20. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I'm in New York and I'm playing guitar and I'm a musician and I'd come home and my, and you know, my roommate, um, 
he was sober. We had these great discussions about art and I started really getting into music because I, I didn't when I was younger. I didn't like listen to great music. Mm-hmm. Um, you were too busy learning Maroon 5. To exactly. I was too busy learning surface things. Yeah. So you're having you're having a deepening moment. It yeah. Like. Yeah. Was busking a living? Like, could you pay yeah. the bills? Yeah. I had this, uh, the our internet router came in this little box and I found that you could fit four stacks of money in that like four stacks of singles so i would go busk and whenever the the box filled up i was like i got my rent so i'd fill this thing up take it to the bank and just like always slide it under and i convinced (laughs) the towers at the bank that i was a male stripper (laughs) (laughs) just for fun just for fun because she said it she's like these are a lot of singles what do you do for a living and then thought it was a joke and i was like no no i'm a stripper i'm a male stripper did you ever consider it yeah, I, I emailed, straight well. up, emailed a strip club at this time when I was doing the busking. Uh-huh. I was like, hey, I could be a singer stripper. You just invented and a whole thing. And wrote to them. I was like, I could do this. Because when I, when I lived in our, this is like a super, when I lived in um, Central Florida, uh-huh. one night, I was, I was a stripper. I was a Do male stripper. It? It's just super quick. It was at a bar we used to go to all the time. They decided to open the back up as like a bachelorette thing. Uh-huh. And they were like, Sam, you are young. <laughs> go back there. So I had a I had a leather jacket that had in sequins on the back it said sexy bitch. I had Velcro pants and then as my piece, it was an elephant nose. Got and it. then I would dance to pour some sugar on me. Perfect. Yeah. Wait, one night? It was two, it was two nights. It was Got two it. nights. What, it was two how, nights. How'd that end? They they didn't do it anymore. Oh. They just did it for that one. It was the one weekend and so that was it. So who shot you down on Singer Stripper? I like. I don't know what the name of the club legs. is, but they just never got back to me. But you, also at the time, I was like, did not take care of myself. So I was a pretty doughboy 5,000. Um I, I don't know. I still think that idea that could right? go somewhere. Right? Yeah. It's like it's like Stardust Diner, but everyone's top ones. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's more, more such a, singles. Such a theater kid idea. Like, yeah. You, so many New it's York It's the combination kids. of theater kid and rock star mentality of like totally. stripper singer. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's, that really has a lot, a lot to it. I think you could have some success there. So uh, yeah, where are we? So we did that three years, and the worst it to got, be clear, busking, not busking, stripping. not yeah. stripping, sadly. Um, and then my roommate started drinking again. That was a really big thing. I dealt with that for for uh, half a year until it kind of came to a head, and I had to kick him out, and it was brutal. Like that was pretty bad. I would just be busking and then all day I'd come back and like, I was terrified because I didn't know if the house would be destroyed because he was drinking. Um, and that kind of took some, like I stopped going out because of watching him kind of destroy himself. Um, so the year after that, when I'm 21, like I did not like going to bars. I hated it. Well, you um, lived in Vegas, so yeah. And also, yeah, the, the, the romance of it was, I've done it. You yeah. know, I did the thing. Um, so I do that and then I start falling behind. And I'm not making money anymore. Were um, you also sort of living alone? So I had a roommate. I brought in a roommate my um, after he left, this girl. And then we didn't get along at all. Hmm. And then my older brother calls me from Orlando one day. And he's like, man, everything's going 
real bad down here. He's like, I'm in a bad relationship, blah, blah, blah. So I said, listen, and I didn't have any money at the time, but I was like, I just bought you a plane ticket to New York. You're getting on the plane next week. You're going to come up and live with me. So he dropped everything and moved in with me, flew up to New York. Um, so we're both, she, the, the other roommate moved out and that was just me and my brother and we have no money. And, um, I start falling behind on rent and it gets pretty bad. We get like eviction notices. Um, and so I'm like, I need to get a job. And also I had that year, someone had found me in the subways. Um, and was like, we're going to make a EP. Hmm. We're going to put $20,000 into this recording. And they did. Did this whole thing. And I didn't agree with the producer on any of it. It went very badly. And then I wasn't al- and then it wasn't released until wow. like a couple months later. And they didn't even get behind the release of it. Was this like a solo? Just it was project? just me. Okay. Yeah, it was just me. Um, so it kind of put a really bad. And at this like. Busking wasn't fun anymore. Like you just, it's just, it's begging for, at that point I was so desperate that I was begging for money. I wasn't enjoying music anymore. So I just kind of put it down and I was like, I'm not going to play music. No more music. I'm going to sell motorcycles. So natural, natural, natural natural shift. So I started selling motorcycles. Um, What do you mean? I, there was a dealership and I went to the dealership. I faked a resume and faked a diploma from University of Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it, or what's it? University of Phoenix. That's like yeah. A big I just said Phoenix, school. Arizona. Yeah, that's a, that's all. It's it's a really natural confusion. Yeah. What? Why? Why motorcycles? I'm a huge motorcycle. I grew I grew up like loving motorcycles, Got and it. motorcycles are like. So you knew you knew your shit. You like yeah, knew you I knew bikes. Yeah. I knew yeah. So I I lied my way in. And then I did that. I made money. I like was having a pretty good life. And I was like, okay, I think my life is going to be motorcycles. Okay. And I really thought I was like, no more music, no more nothing, motorcycles. I, I'm coming home one night from, I took this like little trip and I'm dry, I'm riding my bike um, back home and I get hit by a cab on, your motorcycle. on my motorcycle and like fly 10 feet in the air. My thumb snaps in half. I crash into the back of the windshield and I like can't walk for a month. Um, And then after that, I'm still pretty bruised up and I couldn't work at the dealership because they wouldn't let me in looking all messed up because you can't sell bikes if you (laughs) are kind of a walking, don't own a motorcycle commercial. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I spent all the money I had just paying bills um, because I couldn't move. Um, And then my my uncle who is a pianist on my it's like my extended uncle mm-hmm. he's a pianist and he's like hey i might have a gig for you to sing a carol for the brooks brothers suit company to sing jingle bells for their commercial hmm. pays a thousand dollars and i was like yeah i'm gonna do that so i do that it was so much fun if like three four years ago if you were in a new york cab you probably heard me sing jingle bells which was hilarious um and then right after that, the lady that made the EP, she was like, hey, I'm a talent agent now. I saw that you did this thing. Do you want to be an actor? And I was like, oh, um, I never wanted to do, like, after high school, I was like, I'm not an actor. I don't do theater stuff. She's like, go out on an audition for Rock of Ages on Norwegian Cruise Lines. Huh. 
and it paid like really well. So I went on this audition and I got it. Wow. And so now you're off on a cruise line. And then I just like fly off and now I'm doing theater. Right. Now I'm just doing theater and I live on a cruise ship for seven months and go to Bermuda every week and wild. It's very depressing. Um, it's a very, that, that was probably the loneliest I've ever been. Wow. Um, is that. And then from the cruise ship, there was a, I was like, well, I guess, do I do another show? And once was one of my favorite movies and they had, they were on Broadway. And then I was like, man, if that show ever went out, I love those songs. If I could yeah. just sing those songs every night. They're gorgeous. And, uh, like got a call and they were like, Hey, send in some tapes because we're doing a tour and it's the second tour and we need a, we need a guy. And I was like, all right. So I sent in tapes and then I missed my last show on the cruise ship because I had to fly out from Bermuda to do the final audition for once. And I messed it up. Wow. <laughs> they like, I was so tired, but for some reason they saw something and I ended up doing once for two years that's incredible yeah so in once do you play music on stage like yeah you're playing guitar yeah you so i'm playing guitar i'm and then i find like one i find that i love acting and this is like a real acting show so i'm learning how to act yeah and like playing these songs that i've played my entire like i've always played these songs i'm a huge glenn hansard fan um and so we're doing this we're doing this show and it gets pretty low I get I get pretty low. I don't I don't do well with being around the same group of people all the time, um, and that big of a group of people, you know. So I start really isolating myself on tour, and it gets pretty bad the first leg. Like I'm I'm just like really pushing against the rest of the cast. I'm like, no one gets me. No one understands. What am I like? I didn't even mean to be here. Hmm. And then I like I do the show in Ireland. I did it for a summer in Ireland and that was it. Ireland was a big changing point in my life. Um, that was probably, I got there and I was like, Oh, people are beautiful. Wow. Life is, how did that, how did that set in? So I landed, I landed in, um, Dublin and just felt different. Just like when the plane landed, I, it's really hard to, I just was, I felt like I was home oddly. Um, more so than I've ever felt just like walking off the plane. I was like, I feel so comfortable right now. And just talking to people. I've never been able to talk to people that easily. Um, and life over there was just so warm and beautiful. And I started really focusing on writing and I wrote a lot and I met, I got to meet Glenn, um, and like talk about life with that guy which was great and it being over there I really I was like no I love acting I love it so much I love theater I gotta start writing music again and I gotta start writing really good music um and I have to start writing honest things and so that started over there and um like I went to while I was there I was able to go to London and like found out that my dad was still alive and like had that resolution it it didn't go well but it was a resolution of that thing in my life that had i always felt was like a big pull like anchor keeping me from evolving as a human being into something more than just like you don't understand my dad wasn't there Mm. you know like you have to get past those things so having that and then i came back i did the second leg of the tour 
and walked away from it and was like, okay, now I'll do more theater. And I did a couple theater things. I played Elvis in Million Dollar Quartet. Um, and then the director of that, of, of once, like he does a bunch of workshops. So whenever I'm available, I always work with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I need, I need to start a band. And then um, you did. And then I did. And then I did. And I, I was, I was like, um, what's the time frame? So we got three minutes left. I want to say Ooh, a quick thing nice. and I want to play another one of your songs, but we can, we can just do yes. a snippet. I'm so gonna, you're, you're, you started the band. Started the band. Started the band with a friend from tour um, who was in the show. And we, I was like, we need an EP. We run in. We make this EP. That's like two days. <laughs> Had no idea what the band was. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to do one more musical theater show. So I did one more and I paid for, got all this money together from doing that show. And at this point, I'm living on my mom's couch in New York. Um, so, and I'm still living there right now because... I kind of knew I was like, you know what? I need to give a hundred. I I need to give a hundred percent. I don't need to have an apartment right now. Yeah, but you I don't need to, to go out. Honest record. And- yeah, I don't need to go out with friends. I don't need to yeah. do any of this stuff. So I was like, I'm I'm a hundred percent in on this thing. So I took every penny that I had, bought a van, and then I was like, great, we're gonna go on tour and put the band on tour for two weeks and then came back and was like if i could work with any producer who would i work with to make our first album and i love the national and i love the swell season and interpol and i was like that guy so i emailed him and he's like no 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 the guy that like the guy that mixed all those records he's like i'm too busy because of you know my grammy and stuff he's like but the guy that mixed all those records he's into you guys so i talked to him he comes and sees the show he's about it and so that's what we're doing right now. And it's, we're making this record and... Is it feeling perfect? Is it feeling No, like, it doesn't feel perfect at all. But it's feeling right? It's feeling like it's, the right use of your energy? It's, yeah, it feels like I. this is the only place I need to be. Um, I try to distill you like usable with, uh, nuggets of wisdom on the show. And I don't know if I've done that. But what I've learned from you today is just try out a bunch of shit. Take... Go where life takes you and maybe you'll end up somewhere that you find some ease. Yeah. Thank also, you so there's much no for rules. being here. There's like, no rules. There's no rules. Think outside the box. <laughs> your your desk is a prison. Yeah. There's no permanent record. No. That, that's a really good one. Thank you so much for being Thank here. Thank you so much for having me. You're listening to my show on Radio Free Brooklyn, which is a nonprofit entity. You can donate on the website. Theme songs by Nation of Language. Please check them out. Uh, I'll be here next Sunday. Uh, I'm going to play you out with one more song by Nicotine Dolls called Back to Touch. Bye.